last week we read some of the effects which will take place as we move towards a new creation much that we hold dear and cherish is bound to go away shobindo long back in one of his prophetic poems in the moonlight he observes the old shall perish itself pass away expunged annihilated blotted out very powerful words so we see that happening all over the world the old measures the old values even the best not just the worst the best everything will it's like a clean ground and during this time when there is a transition period there will be many abnormal manifestations which have been documented way back in the bhavishya puranas and it says very interestingly that women will look like men though it doesn't say that men will look like women perhaps the yes in consciousness <laughs> but it's very prophetic i mean it's so true because we are moving towards a state where these differences are going to be blurred it's a very good sign because otherwise a very strong differences social and otherwise so this is this is a period of transition where we witness many things uh, even the darkest things which come out so it should not be assumed that these things are an effect of the supramental force just like people ask the mother uh, are illnesses the result of yoga she said no 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 yoga does not give illnesses but it is because of the resistance in human nature so it's going to go deep down and uncover the hidden resistances so therefore how humanity will respond is anybody's guess the mother calls it a real adventure they see even spoke of uh, what's going to happen in the future maybe a not too distant future where humanity will start stratifying into several layers one of them will be a humanity which is kind of a uh, perverted and aborted attempt where you know there there is a whole layer of humanity which is full of all kinds of things uh, and that humanity will collapse back then there is another which is close to the animal kind and it will get back and get integrated into the animal creation then there is a third layer of humanity which is not ready to be uplifted but it is uh, can become a better humanity it's very beautifully shobindo speaks of that in savitri and there is a whole description of this humanity um, which mother has on one of the darshan days when shobindo comes and sees the various layers of humanity so that be a higher humanity which will be um, preparing itself for the next leap and then of course there are few who are ready to pay the price ready to undergo any amount of suffering and difficulties which may be encountered on the path and this humanity will be lifted up eventually and be integrated with the new consciousness so she has already spoken of all this and quite naturally when force comes it works on nature it prepares the nature it works to make matter more receptive uh, this is uh, quite inevitable we can remember one such descent there have been many such descents but one documented descent is when a power of vital purif- purification descended the descent of ganges and what havoc it created i mean probably even the ashramas were getting drowned when it came down we know how recently when ganges as a force is in spate what havoc it can create and there is a whole story how it she got the name of janvi it was rushing towards even the ashramas whatever is not pure is just swallowed <laughs> so but the rishi could hold her 
and then divert her course. That is how she gets the name Janavi. So there are many things which happen on the way and even the seer, Bhagirath who has brought her down cannot bear the tremendous pressure of her descent. Shiva has to hold in the locks and yet she goes down into the dark nether worlds uh, hearing the lamentation and sadness of the dead past. So this is one story which is documented and very few could embody the purity of the Ganges at least uh, apart from the Ikshvanku lineage uh, where many great kings like uh, Lord Rama himself embodied that purity we see only one instance in Mahabharata and that is Bhishma that's what it means the offspring of Ganga he could embody that purity because he was iron willed and could get rid of lust and ambition from nature that is how he could embody that purity of consciousness so much so that he could command death he had the uh, boon of Ikshamrityu. he could ask for death because of that tremendous purity in the vital nature but otherwise, so few could embody it. And yet, Ganges continues to uh, purify. And why, there is a very interesting story about it, that why Ganges continues to purify and yet human beings don't grow pure. Samanashi Ramakrishna, that why does it happen? Uh, does the Ganges actually purify? He said, yes. He said, but what happens to people? They take a dip and they remain the same. He says, humanity is very smart and cunning. So before they go for a dip, they take out the robe of sin and leave it on the shore. So when they come out, they wear it again. <laughs> I suppose it's so indicative of uh, all of us uh, who are now bathing in the supramental path that we try to hide certain areas. But supermind is not like the purifying Ganges. It's much more, it's truth consciousness and it's bound to uncover everything that is inside. It will not purify only that with which it comes into contact. It will even bring out that which we are trying to hide. And that's what we see happening all over the world. And obviously, it's difficult to bear that. But there is another approach, and that is a very beautiful approach, a simple approach. The supramental is not just a force, but it is a being. The supramental being is a godhead, the fourfold godhead described in uh, Savitri so beautifully, who holds within itself the fourfold crowning absolutes um, spoken of in various traditions. He holds within himself all these four godheads of truth, uh, light, uh, life and ananda. And who is this supramental being? Is the all-pervasive omniscience and omnipotence of the divine. When the supreme Sachidananda, who is one, leans down towards the many, he acts through the supramental consciousness because only in this state there can be one and the money. So it is the being of the divine. Supramental being is the being of the divine playing with this world. It is the being of the infinite playing with the finite. So that is the beauty of the supramental being. So we can come in touch with the being. Force is very difficult. But being is also not easy. Imagine the being of sun drawing close. What happened to... Um, Someone like Kunti, she was terrified and this is just the physical being, being of the physical son. So, to make it still simpler, we have Shurabindu and the mother embodying the same consciousness and truth, coming closer to us, wearing a mortal body, a mortal robe, so that we can connect with them. So, I thought we'll read a little bit about this, uh, particularly because last week we had the um, Guru Purnima 
and we slightly touched upon this subject this is a very vast subject and my big problem is we are always running short of time uh, you know sometimes in tuesday class i feel when i was a child i used to hear this two types of music one is where you have the alap and the gati and the full blown music it runs for 2 hours 3 hours and it's delightful because it takes you into that mood but there was the shortcut which is on cassettes half an hour 10 minutes raga <laughs> so 10 minutes raga is fine but you know it's a 10 minute raga after all half an hour is like just getting into the mood so when we read just few passages it's like a compressing something which is very vast and yet that's the beauty of mother and shubindo that while they have written so much on every subject they have also given certain snippets where almost like they catch the whole essence so i have taken out few passages connected specifically to this aspect because a lot of people ask that you know who is the guru in integral yoga now this is a very nutty question because if you don't reply then they take anybody as you know okay Uh, there are gurus in integral yoga whom you can turn to and very clearly there are no gurus in integral yoga except the mother and shurbindo and they are much more than gurus the second um, problem is that this question of course is irrelevant to those who are already walking the path because even a little journey and one realizes how concrete the divine presence is so much so that one can doubt one's own existence but cannot doubt the presence of the divine mother so this grows as a very concrete um, fact more concrete than all the uh, arguments and logical reasonings of the world but there is a section of humanity which raises this valid question because all traditional yogas have a guru so who is the guru of integral yoga the simplest and direct answer is shurbindo and the mother so then of course people ask that you know about the living guru now living guru has come much later in indian traditions uh, in the original traditions the word living is not added it's the guru is needed for the path and we can see there are countless examples uh, mira and chaitanya and many others um, or thomas aquinas and you know in every tradition um, saint francis many others who have you know simply grown into the consciousness of the one whom they felt is their master even though the master had long back withdrawn from the material scenes and the logic is very simple that a guru who dies is not a guru because he has realized his identity with the divine so there is nothing like the death of a master the master can make a choice to pass and pass on his legacy to someone as in the sikh tradition up to a point or the master can choose to merge into the infinite and leave this earthly scene like some ascetics and sanyasis who don't take disciples or the master can remain in one of the higher planes and continue to guide humanity as long as there is one single person having faith in the path like shri ramakrishna and swami vivekananda or the master can stay very close to the earth and continue to help till his work is finished and of course that is shurbindo because he is as we know much more than a master but an avatar so we read some of the letters connected with that very interesting letters answering every side of the question one of the questions people raise is that is this yoga another kind of sect because now you know the religion people don't speak but they speak of sects because every sect has a guru at the head so shubhendra says yes there is a uh, this is a legitimate question because if you take a representative 
or a manifestation of the divine then quite naturally there is a tendency or a risk of it becoming a sect on the other hand there is a other danger where you only say ki representative is not important but the divine alone then you have a risk of following your false self and confusing it for the true self so one has to find the right balance learn to be faithful at the same time without being sectarian this is a very fine balance which everyone discovers so here shivendra reveals of that many have put forward their own self gospel without taking the trouble to see whether it is the true self having pitted the ignorance of their own self in fact their ego against the knowledge of the guru or made their ego or something that flattered and foisted it the ishta devta so this is the big danger and very often people who float the theory of no guru all force and consciousness are because they don't want to surrender it's the strong ego which uh, it sometimes acknowledge mostly goes unacknowledged because it's uh, if it is force fine it's my way but and my way means landing in a crash very often but if it is a guru then you are asked to be subservient to obey to listen to the dictate so this is why people don't want it uh, but shurbindo uh, says the other side also the snag in the worship of guru or avatar is a sectarian bias which insists on the representative or the manifestation but loses sight of the manifested the snag in the emphasis on the other side is the ignoring of the need or belittling of the value of the representative or manifestation and the substitution not of the true self one in all but of one's own self as the guide and light so very often when people give this gospel of freedom and tell each one has his own path if it is a true sincere statement yes it carries meaning but for one such true sincere statement there are thousands which are nothing but catering to the ego so here one has to be cautious and shubhendra reminds us how many have done that here shubhendra is not speaking of the world where it, the danger is much more shubhendra is speaking of here we know a classic example where somebody went all the way away from the ashram and i won't tell you where he went that let that come at the end and when someone asked why did you go no no now i don't need that mother and shubhendra that role is over and now i am directly being guided by the divine and guess where he went on partition to pakistan so this this is the kind of guidance one can have so this is the real danger and one has to be so careful no pakistan is a nice country nothing against it <laughs> there are our cousin brothers only brothers fight sometimes like arabs and israelis <laughs> how many have done that here and lost the way through the pull of the magnified ego which is one of the great perils on the way so because if you accept the guru then you accept what the guru says and that means you have to accept the um, uh, things that he tells you to do and to follow so a simpler way is i am my own guide and i have my own path and the supramental is a worldwide this is sectarianism it's basically behind all this tortuous distorted argument is one simple thing the ego hiding under cover so well that's one one way to proceed because if we accept the guru shirbindo says there are three conditions needed to profit it's not enough to simply say i have a guru very good the guru may be divine himself but there are conditions so what are the conditions first he must accept him entirely and him alone 
without submitting himself to any contrary or second influence so it's not like you know uh, let me change it's not like a guru shopping mother used to say people who go to different gurus are like patients who go to different doctors and uh, this is nothing personal about it but they end up benefiting from none because you know doctors are doctors uh, each one is as ignorant or as good uh, though each one claims to be the best because you know always the ego says i am the best but uh, every genuine doctor knows that medical science is a very inadequate science after all it's not mathematics but when we go doctor shopping then we uh, it it doesn't work well so she says you go to the doctor in whom you have trust and then take whatever he gives you with trust and if you want to be one step ahead pray to the divine that please guide the doctor because the doctor may not have prayed and he may not be open so this makes it very simple <laughs> but similarly she says it is as dangerous to go guru hopping particularly in today's time when lot of gurus are here there and you know everyone offering a quick um, quick instant success in realization so she says first thing is this don't submit to all kinds of contrary influences that okay this baba is also good oh there is a new master he says very nice things each path has its own uh, influence particularly a path like this which is very different it's not a path towards nirvana or moksha it's a path which has never been even imagined upon earth there are yet any other so called claimants maybe after 1000 years when we have supramental beings probably we could have similar people you know on this path but it's a totally new path second he must accept the indications given by the guru and follow them firmly and with full faith and perseverance to the best of his own spiritual capacity this is the good rider each one has a different capacity but one should try at least to try the best it will be a different best for each one and the third one he must make himself open and receptive to the guru for even more than the guru more than what the guru teaches to the mind of the disciple it is what he spiritually is the spiritual consciousness the knowledge the light the power the divinity in him that helps the disciple to grow by his receiving that into himself so it's not you know people ask so whom do we ask questions we don't need to ask questions those shurbindar and the mother have replied every question uh, from the day of adams it is known that we don't need uh, uh, question and answer for really getting the spiritual light spiritual light just requires an opening so beautifully the upanishad uh, describes that you know i have seen today there is a shloka i forgot in the shloka i mean i remember it vaguely but uh, the shloka is something to this effect that i have seen today an adbhut drishya an amazing sight so what is the sight he says i have seen a young guru and old disciple that's okay that's possible shurbindo we know at 37 what he had not realized he says but the guru was speaking nothing and the disciple was learning everything that is the beauty that is how yoga is transmitted much more through silence mother says a few minutes uh, spent in silence before the are worth centuries of felicity one has to do nothing just sit before mother's picture or hold her in the heart uh, sit at the samadhi those who are blessed to be here uh, serve her with the joy of service and the rest will grow the knowledge will come and of course their works are there which uh, are more than enough 
Then again, Shobindu says something very, very interesting. What the guru can do for the sadhak depends upon the latter's receptivity, not upon any method or rule of sadhana. Very clearly. It's not that how many hours one meditates and what is the uh, external routine of a person. One may follow a method, but one may not be open or receptive. There is sometimes the ego of the method, even the ego of the bhakta. All these things can come in and prevent the opening to the guru. So one is following a method religiously, but at the end finds nothing. Because it's not the method which is important or the rules which are important, but the receptivity. Certain psychological conditions or attitudes of the consciousness tend to increase the receptivity. So the natural question is how to increase receptivity. So Sri is giving us, otherwise we may devise a technique. A technique for increasing receptivity. Take the breath so many times with this mantra. So <laughs> Sri makes it very clear. So what are the methods or ways to increase receptivity? Example, he is just saying a few. Humility towards the Guru. Which means, it literally means that if there is something which the Guru says, which is in contradiction to all my knowledge, experience, understanding, I must say I know nothing, nothing, nothing. And whatever the Master says is true. Even if it contradicts all signs, all sorts of things. Because this is what humility is. See what a beautiful example. When once somebody asked uh, in the evening talk, the mother, mother, please tell us about Purusha and Prakriti. And the mother said half seriously and half jokingly, I don't know, ask Nalani. So Nalani, that before anybody could ask him, he says, no, no, no. If the mother says she, she does not know, then I must say I am completely ignorant. It was a little... Thing thrown at Nalida. Nalida, someone like him, being of knowledge, one could say. And he says that, no, if I don't know. And then, of course, the mother uh, reveals the secret that, you know, there is no such difference. There are two poises of one reality. So, humility towards the Guru. This is a very simple thing. It's not humility towards others, human beings, and all these things, but towards the Guru. Devotion. Very simple way to, of course, it's a blessedness. Obedience. Trust. Trust that the master is there. Today I was reading something very interesting. Mother says, you know, somebody asked how can we get guidance or anything from the divine. Mother says, very simple, uh, not even from the divine. The person is not used the word from the divine. Mother says, by asking the divine for it. And then she says, when you need something, you ask it, don't you? So why do you think that the divine will give you without asking? She says, try this as an experiment. That you need something, don't go anywhere, don't ask anybody, just ask the divine. And then you see whether the divine gives you or not. What a beautiful way. I mean, it's so true. I mean, I'm sure almost all of us experience it. You need something, don't ask anyone. At least in my life it has been so true that whenever I asked someone, it never worked out. <laughs> when I left it to her, it always worked without, you know, any, any time. So it's so true, I'm sure in everybody's life that ask the divine if you need anything. And then she says whether it's a material thing or whether it's a spiritual need. 
so beautifully she makes it so simple ask the divine so trust in the divine obviously without that we cannot ask otherwise we ask the divine and we are not sure divine is heard or not then certain receptive passivity to his influence which means a bit of quietude and openness passivity then what blocks the receptivity that also shubhendra is telling us revealing to us the opposite things independence i am a free man i follow my own way yeah yeah integral yoga means everything so i am my own way so independence shubhendra is using this word shubhendra will not stop if somebody says i want to go my way sure he is he is infinite <laughs> what to say <laughs> you want to go learn your way learn your way learn through the experiences and even then if we cry for help he immediately comes that is true but independence no no i'll walk my way fine a critical attitude obviously towards the divine master questionings go the other way and make it necessary for the guru to help only indirectly or behind the veil the guru doesn't withdraw but he goes behind the veil he has to act through all these kind of cobwebs in the mind that we have put that if we do this then only the divine will help if we do that then only the divine will help where is it so simple mother speaks of the story of prahlad that you know those who she had seen this movie and liked it very much then she said it is a very true experience she says if you believe that the divine is everywhere then the divine will help you wherever you are regardless and you will be protected and then she tells this story and we know that when his father hiranyakashyap threw him to the serpents the serpents didn't bite him when he was thrown into the sea the sea threw him back so hiranyakashyap asked who has protected you so prahlad gives a very beautiful answer he doesn't say who protected me no philosophy he says why vishnu is there in the serpents and vishnu is there in the sea end of the matter so when we have this kind of a trust then we are wherever we are in whatever state we are protected but the main thing is a kind of psychological openness in the consciousness which comes or increases of itself with the help of the will to receive and the right attitude so this is this yoga not done through any technique process they are often complicated because we have put the technique in between us and the master we have faith in the technique we have faith in this we have faith in that how about simply having faith in the divine like a child has trust in his mother that's what mother says call and shubhendra says baby cat just calls mama baby cat literally calls mama almost yeah then he further takes us to one step further it is not usual to use the word guru in the supramental yoga here everything comes from the divine himself but if anybody wants it he can use it for the time being so the relation has to grow many sided the lord here is not just the guru he is the master he is the teacher he is the friend he is the beloved he is the father he is the mother he is the brother sister everything so slowly as the intimacy grows the relation changes it may start as a guru but it's only for the time being very soon one becomes so intimate that there are no limits to which this relation can grow 
the relation of guru and disciple is only one of many relations which one can have with the divine and in this yoga which aims at a supramental realization it is not usual to give it this name it generally not a preferred term it doesn't mean that it means uh, we can just belittle the word guru is an aspect and there is something still greater and deeper and more intimate rather the divine is regarded as the source the living son of light and knowledge and consciousness and spiritual realization and all that one receives is felt as coming from there and the whole being remolded by the divine hand this is a greater and more intimate relation than that of the human guru and disciple which is more of a limited mental ideal so again in supramental yoga it's not the highest relation of a guru and disciple but it's a many sided opening to the infinite it can be kept if the mind still needs it and so long as it is needed then someone is asked that okay fine divine very fine so i'll surrender to the divine within why to the representative because it is said in the scriptures the surrender to the guru is the surrender of surrenders so somebody asked this question to shurbindo is it true that surrender to the guru is surrender of surrenders and if so why is it so so shurbindo gives a very beautiful answer everybody speaks about it but i am yet to read through the spiritual literature such a beautiful and clear answer we know of course guru gobind do khade kako lagu pao great saint kabir has said if the guru is there and the govind the divine himself is there whom should i whose feet so he says balihari guru aapki the answer is to the guru because he has shown me the way to govind but this answer has a little bit of a twist in it fine but now you have found govind so shurbindo gives another answer and a very beautiful answer which we find missing in this statement because through it surrender to the guru you surrender not only to the impersonal but to the personal not only to the divine in yourself but to the divine outside you you get a chance for the surpassing of ego not only by retreat into the self where ego does not exist but in the personal nature where it is the ruler it is the sign of the will to complete surrender to the total divine samagram maam tanumashritam manushi tanumashritam of course it must be a genuine spiritual surrender for this to be true so beautiful an answer it's a complete surrender surrendering to the divine within is half a surrender it doesn't completely get us rid of the ego but through the guru we surrender to the external our external nature also to the divine outside us otherwise we have to surrender to the tree goat and building everything because divine is hidden and it lead to a chaos but this is a very simple way the guru is at once the inmost divine as well as he is there who has come out stepped out in the front so it's so beautiful and simple and clear cut and then shobindo makes it further clear no surrender to the divine and surrender the, to the guru are not two different things in surrendering to the guru it is to the divine in him that one surrenders 
So automatically when we, it's not that now we have to surrender to the Guru outside and to the Divine within. <laughs> if you surrender to the Guru, you have surrendered to the Divine. Shubhinda, so many places he says, if you meet Krishna, you will meet me. If you surrender to Krishna, you will surrender to me. So beautifully it is like, you know. And then there are those who have the gospel of formless. Divine is formless. So you surrender to the formless. How can the divine assume a form? So again this question someone has asked, thankfully, that divine does not have a form. So formless divine, when you surrender, it is a greater surrender. So Sri clarifies. Surrender to the formless divine would leave parts of the being subject to the gunas and ego. Because only the static parts would be free in formlessness. The active nature would be still in the play of the gunas. Many think they are free from ego because they get the sense of the formless existence. They do not see that the egoistic element remains in their action just as before. Even a great yogi like Swami Vivekananda struggled for it. And that's why he went toward the end when Sri Ramakrishna, because he was yet the Advaitic realization of the infinite. How was he to reconcile Sri Ramakrishna in a body? And so he keeps asking him, even towards the end. And Ramakrishna is telling him, he who is Rama and he who is Krishna is here in this body as Ramakrishna. But then he clarifies, but not as your Advaitic self. <laughs> even towards that time he had a sense of humor. Still he has doubts. And then Sri Ramakrishna says, after his departure he came to him because he started going here and there. And great yogi like him, nobody can deny that. Of course, Shyarabindo and some others have also said, in terms of realization, it was Swami Brahmanand who was greater. But Swami Vivekananda was a special being meant for a certain work. So, Sri Ramakrishna comes to him one day and says, I have become a beggar giving everything to you and you still have doubts. So, this is the degree to which, I mean, a Leonine, someone like Swami Vivekananda, it could happen to him. So, who are we? Then, some people say, yes, all gurus are same. All are coming from the divine. Every letter of Sri every aspect he has answered. One doesn't have to go anywhere to read anything. So Sri says, all true gurus are the same. The one guru because all are the one divine. He says, yes, accepted. That is a fundamental and universal truth. But there is also a truth of difference. The divine dwells in different personalities with different minds, teachings, influences so that he may lead different disciples with their special need, character, destiny by different ways to the realization. Because all gurus are the same divine, it does not follow that the disciple does well if he leaves the one meant for him to follow another. So what happens when person does that? One remains neither of this land nor another. By the time one gets ready for the another, one jumps off to a third one. It happens very often, you know, with doctors we experience it. You know, somebody comes and says, you know, I have tried this medicine for three days and it's not working. So 
this doctor is at a great advantage you know he knows now what has been tried <laughs> so i am revealing the secrets so he now tries the next one and it works so that the patient feels oh this is the person who actually gave me the remedy it's not true it's like if you would have gone back to the same doctor you would have you know changed or added along similar lines i mean whatever some differences apart so similarly when we get sometimes impatient not we but you know there are people oh i am not getting something let me try another guru actually it's not the guru you were on the verge of getting something now you experience something but you have also changed track which is a very dangerous thing to do so that's why and great gurus always reserve the best things for the last because otherwise the ego will get swollen fidelity to the guru is demanded of every disciple according to the indian tradition all are the same is a spiritual truth but you cannot convert it indiscriminately into action you cannot deal with all persons in the same way because they are the one brahman if one did the result pragmatically would be an awful mess it is a rigid mental logic that makes the difficulty but in spiritual matters mental logic easily blunders intuition faith a plastic spiritual reason are here the only guides then one more question people often ask there are gurus who have all kinds of defects in nature but people say no but i had very good experience i had this you know i i i went far on the path how does it work shubindu now reveals this truth it is not the human defects of the guru that can stand in the way when there is the psychic opening so to dwelling upon that's why it is said in the indian tradition that uh, guru sakshat maheshwara guru brahma guru vishnu guru sakshat maheshwara he is the uh, par brahma he is the par brahma that is how one has to look at the guru the human defects don't matter if one accepts somebody as a guru so that's not the way to get things where there is a psychic opening confidence and surrender the guru is the channel or the representative or the manifestation of the divine according to the measure of his personality or his attainment but whatever he is it is to the divine that one opens in opening to him and if something is determined by the power of the channel more is determined by the inherent and intrinsic attitude of the receiving consciousness so important we see two classic examples one of dilip kumar roy who was regarded as a guru by indra devi strangely perhaps not so surprisingly it is the mother and shurabindu who intervened to save her from a very dangerous occult attack which continued for quite some time and dilip kumar she regarded dilip kumar roy as guru and she would turn to him and he would turn to shurabindu and shurabindu will reply back and said keep me informed about her condition and it is they who saved her but it was a well known thing and yet she could not regard mother and shurabindu as a guru for her it was dilip kumar roy and she got her experiences through dilip kumar roy because it was not that which is important but the opening of the consciousness similarly we see krishna prem he had a guru very few people may have even heard the name yashodama yashodama is subsequent name her husband was krishna chakravarti who had met the mother in paris a very interesting story and he had handed over to the mother a book 
which was a very poor translation of the Bhagavad Gita from French, uh, from uh, Sanskrit to French. So he had handed over to the mother this book. And the mother read this book. Instantly she recognized that Krishna is the imminent divine and within a month she had the realization of the Gita. Now, so his wife, he was a university vice chancellor. He was not a guru. He just became somebody to hand over a book. And his wife was a guru in her own right with hardly a handful of disciples. Maybe four or five or later on, maybe ten. Ashami in Almoda, those days, very difficult to go there. And Krishna Prem really arrived at great degrees of experiences and realizations, so much so that Shirobinda has used the word Pashanti Vak, that he has a seeing intelligence. So what was his state of consciousness? Imagine there is a lot of correspondence back and forth between Krishna Prem, Dilip Kumar Roy, Sri Aurobindo, back through Dilip Kumar Roy to Krishna Prem and so on. When Krishna Prem came to the ashram, and you know, with that we can close, there are many other things, but as I said, we can only do a drutgati raga and not the full alab. So, <laughs> when Krishna Prem came here, he met the mother, and mother was very, very much impressed by meeting him. Because he asked something, mother recounts this story, he asked the mother uh, that I want you to bless me and give me the boon of true bhakti. He asked this from the mother. And mother said, but you already have it. She knew, you already have it. He says, no, I want more. I want complete. And mother went into a trance. She was so impressed that she recounted this story and said, I wish we could have such an aspiration here. This is what, when once Nirodha asked that there are people who easily and quickly seem to have realizations, experiences outside. But why does it take so much time here? Then Shurabindo says, leaving apart the nature of the yoga, which is of course a difficult and different yoga, one reason is that there is a lack of bhakti here. So what a beautiful way to turn to the divine. One last sentence and then we would be done. You wish to give me this from Barin. You wish to give me the charge of your yoga. Siobhinda to Barinda. And I am willing to take it. But that means to give its charge to him who is moving by his divine Shakti. This 1920. Whether secretly or openly, both you and me. But you must know that the necessary result of this will be that you will have to walk in the special path which he has given to me, the path which I call the path of the integral yoga. The guru of the world who is within us then gave me complete directions for my paths from the same letter a little down below. I have no faith in the customary trade of the guru. I do not wish to be a guru. 7th April 1920 to be precise, just before the mother's coming. If anybody wakes and manifests from within his slumbering Godhead and gets the divine life, be it at my touch or at another's, this is what I want. It is such men that will raise the country. So we will close with this. There was much more but probably for another day.